obviously Curry shoots the lights out. So I think it really makes sense for both teams. It made it like it's a good deal for both sides. I wouldn't even declare a winner. I think it's that even. All right, welcome to the 48th episode of Clubhouse Combos. It's your host, Colin Scully. Per usual, joined by my good friend, Evan Mullings. Yeah. How are you today, buddy? I'm good. Good to be with you. Oh, it's just a fucking pleasure. We had a lot of fun watching the Super Bowl. We did have a lot of fun watching the Super Bowl. It was a good, uh, was a good viewing party. Newman with the uh, hot computer. How are we doing? I'm good. I, we're going to David Buster's tonight, so I'm super pumped. But I think I have Shout COVID, so... Not as good. <laughs> <laughs> You've been tired recently, Newman? Oh no, I just a lot of people I know just tested positive and I was with them this weekend. So we'll see. Good night, Newman. Yep. PlayStation Club. <laughs> Yay. Dan in that uh handsome sweatshirt that I like so much. How are you today? Uh pretty good. Um really can't complain. Going home tomorrow actually for a car inspection. Um not a lot of schoolwork. A lot of time for me to just hang around and do absolutely nothing with my schedule. Diddle with your dick, so to speak. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it's been a weird little start to the semester. I feel like I have not had as much work either. Normally, I do, you know, all the assigned readings and shit for my classes, but I'm kind of just coasting right now, and I'm, I'm not doing poorly, so I'm not going to start either. I think it's also just like, I don't know about you guys, I'm just so sick of the – cold weather yeah i know the, the warm teas lately like last weekend uh went down to uri a little uh underage darting so we were just drinking water obviously but uh beautiful day on saturday 60 degrees perfect for um non-alcoholic beer dye um just and then the next day i drive home and it's fucking snowing it's like mother nature what are we fucking doing here um but it's supposed to be very warm the next few days tomorrow is supposed to be 55 degrees and then get down to like 15 at night which just should not be allowed You're kidding that's amazing well not the 15 part hmm. anyways wow. enough weather talk this is not a weather podcast uh <laughs> let's talk some sports so obviously we missed the episode last week just very busy uh with the off-season sim and we had some awful wi-fi issues on uh my end per usual um, so we really didn't discuss the NBA trade deadline, but some big moves that went down. Obviously, the headline was James Harden going to the Philadelphia 76ers for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and a first-round pick. Uh, so far, it seems like, I guess, Harden hasn't played yet, but Brooklyn seems to be the winner of this trade. This far, Seth Curry has looked good for Brooklyn. I think, you know as much as I dislike Ben Simmons, I do honestly believe there is some mental, mental stuff going on. And if he can get in the right headspace, I think he could be effective for Brooklyn uh, in that role. Cause he's not going to be leaned upon to score. Like he was in Philly. They already have so many scoring options. If he can just focus on what he's good at playing defense, facilitating, I think uh, he's going to have some success there, but uh, what are your thoughts? 
Well, I think it's only a 76er uh, win if they win the NBA championship this year. I think that's the only way that this trade could be considered a win for them. When you give up the draft capital and you give up Ben Simmons, um, you know, so I think when Harden comes back, we'll have to see how they play. Obviously lost by 48 to Boston last night without uh, James Harden on the floor. Um, and I think that goes to show how bad that they need him. So I think Brooklyn got a great return. I've kind of defended Ben Simmons on this pod. I think he is still a really good player. He's an unbelievable defender, unbelievable playmaker. And, and with guys like, you know, Kevin Durant there, I think it's, it's going to be a really good match uh, made uh, in Brooklyn. So I think it's a win for Brooklyn unless Philadelphia wins the championship this year. Real quick before you two go, I think there's no possible way Philly wins this deal, not even if the championship, but if James Harden just keeps missing time because they pretty much wiped that roster clean outside of Harris in terms of like really impact players. I know Embiid can do it all and, and he's so dominant, but as Evan said, almost got 50 piece last night by the Boston Celtics. So Without Harden, I just I question if they even have enough offense to win basketball games. Well, me yawning there is my reaction to taking anything in the regular season, like as if it matters um, with the Sixers team. Um, this trade was clearly just for the playoffs, um, like obviously the regular season, but this is to win a championship now. This is to win a championship this year. The one piece the 76ers have been missing for years now is somebody that can actually shoot the ball at an elite level. And that is James Harden. Um, a lot of people like to say we're giving up draft capital, like Evan is saying. It's a 2022 first-round pick, which, woohoo, it's going to be in the 20s or it's going to be 30 if we win the championship. The next pick isn't until 2027, and it's lottery protected. It's like one through eight protected. So that pick is like so far in the future, and it's also protected. That's not giving up draft capital for what I believe is your final piece that you really need when you get into the playoffs and rosters are shrunk, the bench is smaller. I think this trade is like Evan said, it's a win if Philly can win the championship, but I don't think this is highway robbery. I just don't. I don't think it's highway robbery either. No, I think it's, I think it's really good for both sides. Also, how comical was it that James Harden was the the last pick in the all-star draft? Durant snubs him. Um, I honestly think it makes a lot of sense for both sides. I mean, Harden is, yes, a shooter that the Sixers desperately need. I mean, the videos have surfaced. He's at the facility. He's working with young Tyrese Maxey, helping him out. Like, it seems like he's happy and he likes the culture there. I know, like, the leaked uh, Steph Curry mic'd up that Harden was unhappy with the style of play they were running in Brooklyn. Um, and now he seems to be happy running with, with Embiid. And obviously for Brooklyn, you bring in Ben Simmons, who I think is, was a missing piece for them. They can put him down at the five. Um, obviously, Curry shoots the lights out. So I think it really makes sense for both teams. It made it like it's a good deal for both sides. I wouldn't even declare a winner. I think it's that even. What I can't stand is like James Harden didn't like the play calling because the plays weren't being called for him. Like he just wanted isolation. And when you play with like when you join a superstar team like that, you have to understand that you just aren't getting the ball as much. And that that's like a sacrifice for winning. But if you truly want to win, you should be willing to make that sacrifice. And the other thing is, what the fuck is this like love interest with Daryl Morey and James Harden? Like Harden is obsessed with the guy. I don't get it. Houston days. Yeah, I, I know. But like, it's just weird. I wonder if they uh, have an intimate relationship or something. <laughs> I don't want to be, uh, you know, 
rambling some false news here, but uh, <laughs> just a question I have. I mean, for James Harden, you know, just one more quick point. I mean, I think you bring up a really good point that, um, you know, with Harden not on the floor, in which we don't know when he'll be back, and, right? We think it'll be soon. He was taking some like shots before the game, but you look at the team right now, right? And it's like Tobias Harris really isn't a great player. I think he's good, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to get you 20 on a, on a regular basis. Danny green, who had that, what zero, zero, zero game in 28 minutes this year. Obviously we know Embiid max is a good player. Thibel, Milton, Yang, Korkmaz, Reed. Like, I don't know who these people are. So uh, besides, well, obviously George, my dad taught him in high in middle school. Um, but like, I just don't think that there's enough players here. And I don't think that they w- will win the championship. There's just not enough offense here outside of Embiid and Harden to where I feel comfortable. And and who knows how that dynamic is going to go when it's actually on the floor. So I think you bring up a good point. In a, it's do. just like the East is very – we were talking about this during our um, midseason predictions. There are a lot of deep teams in the East, and I think in the playoffs that's what matters. If you lose one of these two superstars, it's over because you have no supporting cast really that you could rely on every night. Maxi obviously has, you know, some great games, but 11 points, one assist, two boards in 31 minutes last night. And B didn't even score 20 points. Uh, Harris had six points in 28 minutes. It's like, you just, you need more in my opinion. Um, but not to dwell on that too much. Another big deal. There was the four team trade um, with DiVincenzo going to Sacramento Kind of, I think, headlined by Marvin Bagley going to Detroit. Uh, it seems like Detroit just stockpiles big men. I think we were talking about that when the season began, looking at their rosters, like a million big men, Grant and Cunningham, and that was it. Um, <laughs> but I think it's it's a good start for Bagley, a nice reset. Didn't have a ton of success as a super high draft pick in Sacramento. Um, I think him and Cunningham could play really well together, but – I really didn't have many other thoughts on that deal besides that. Steven Chenzo's kind of a big loss, in my opinion, for Milwaukee. To me, he's the bit he like to, for Milwaukee to lose him. I I didn't really quite understand. I don't know who went back to me neither. So I don't I don't understand that. He's a great defender and he's a great three point shooter. And I thought that was just so valuable for Milwaukee, especially last year in their championship win. I think that to lose that's going to be really tough. I like Bagley to Detroit though, Colin. I I think him and Cunningham will be there from years for years to come and. Hopefully they can start to turn that team around. I don't really have a lot of thoughts on this trade, um, mostly because I don't pay that close attention to basketball unless it's Sixers basketball or big names. So I don't really got anything. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I don't have too much to say. I mean, I think – so the Bucks got Ibaka. I, it's a oh well. Like, I don't think that's huge, but – Kings got DiVincenzo and Josh Jackson, which after the the dumbest trade in history, trading away their superstar and Halliburton, I guess it helps them revamp that roster a little bit. Yeah, speaking of the Halliburton deal, uh, that was the next one on my list. Halliburton and Buddy Heald went to the Indiana Pacers for Sabonis. Uh, I, I think this is an easy win for Indy. Sabonis was, you know, on the move at some point. It was pretty much... Uh, inevitable that either him or Miles Turner was going to be moved at the deadline uh, to get back a, a player of Halliburton's caliber, uh, especially after Sacramento promised him they weren't going to trade him. It, it's just kind of crazy. Like uh, 
This kid's a baller. He's going to be really good. I like Indiana um, in the coming years. I think they're a pretty young team. They got – or they traded Levert, I guess. They traded Levert to um, Cleveland. But Halliburton and Yield's a good back end. You have Brogdon still, Miles Turner. Like, there's some pieces to build around there um, with Rick Carlisle. So, I like the fit a lot. The Kings went about the deadline – in a way that I thought was really confusing. They didn't want to trade Harrison Barnes because they wanted to try to compete for a playoff spot based on the play-in. That was the report. And I don't understand that. If you're a bad team, which they are, why are you not trying to sell off a guy like Harrison Barnes who's really, you know, he could be valuable to a contender, but he's not going to really help you right now. Didn't completely disagree with how they went about this. And obviously to trade their their superstar, uh, really in the making, uh, point guard who puts up, 17 assists and uh, sometimes like he's he's insane and I look at this roster I got it up right now it's like I don't understand this roster that Sacramento's trying to build I like I like Mitchell but you look at this game against the Nets there's only 13 assists total across the entire Sacramento roster um you're just losing so much in terms of facilitating Fox is really not a facilitator he's a scorer Mm -hmm. he's gonna go to the hole and score score points he's not gonna you know, kick it out and he will kick it out, but that's not his job. That was Halliburton's job. I think, I don't think DiVincenzo is on that same level of being able to replace him. I feel like they almost just left a bigger hole than what they started with. I don't know if Dan or Connor has any um, thoughts to add. I, I guess, like I said, I don't really follow too much, um, but this trade, I guess it kind of, it confused me for a king or from a king's perspective um i know sabonis is good but from what i can gather halliburton's young and very good so i i just don't get it like the kings aren't in some like contention type phase so i don't know why you wouldn't keep the younger player that has a lot of potential um i guess just a confusing move i don't really get it yeah i don't i don't understand it i think sabonis is a great like a good return i think you need a player like that but i think fox should have been the one leaving i feel like yeah he has more points per game but every other advanced metric halliburton leads him um he's good friends with jj reddick who i listened to his podcast and they were pissed like it, they were so upset because he is going to be a superstar maybe not in indiana i don't I feel like indiana doesn't breed superstars but i don't know i feel like fox should have been the one out the door the last trade I have on the list, kind of a another head scratcher, if you will. Uh, Chris Saps Porzingis was, excuse me, traded to the Washington Wizards for, in my opinion, really nothing. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertrands, who really has not played much at all this year. Uh, and he's making, I believe, $20 million a year. So I question what Dallas really sees in terms of uh, improvement. I know Porzingis experiment didn't really work out but I, I just don't get what these two guys are going to give you that he wasn't already well for me there was obviously like reported tension between Porzingis and Doncic and Porzingis I don't think he was really working out there I think uh, Dallas would benefit a lot from getting rid of him uh, that being said I you know I just Dinwiddie's had a really bad year for uh, Washington and he's a good player like he's proven it in past years with Brooklyn uh, but again, I, you know, he's had a questionable year. Uh, so I, again, I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, Bertans, again, it's just a, it's a big man, but 
Uh, really for Dallas, it's Luka Doncic, number one. And then you got really Jalen Brunson, who's had such a good season. And if I look at the stats from uh, their win against Miami last night, I mean, Dinwiddie only had four points. Like, you know, for him to be the centerpiece to here in the Porzingis trade, you know, I think they ha- they won by getting rid of Porzingis, but I don't know if they won from the return that they got. And I don't know if this team will win a playoff round because of it. Um. Kind of another trade that just confused me. Again, don't pay too much attention, but um, I don't know. I, I don't really know what to think of it, I guess, because I haven't followed Porzingis that closely lately. I know he was a superstar kind of with the Knicks and then goes to Dallas. I thought he was still a decent player. Maybe guess not, um, but I, I don't know. I, trade that confuses me, I guess. Yeah, the Mavs fucked it up. I don't know. I actually think Dinwiddie is having a pretty good year. Um Considering all his years aren't very good, but that return for that return for Porzingis is head scratching. I forget what they gave up for him, but um, on the topic of Dallas, I saw that Detroit had kind of kicked the tires on Brunson, and their asking price was Cade Cunningham. So I think that kind of shows how how much they value Brunson. I, I don't think he's worth Cade Cunningham type value, but uh, I thought that was just interesting. Like. Brunson's really come onto the scene, but Kate Cunningham is that's a bit of a far reach, in my opinion. I don't know what you guys think about that. Anybody? Evan Newman, probably. I know Dan's probably not. Yeah. Not much. I would just say shout out to Kyle Kuzma for the year that he's having. He's almost put he, like he put up a triple double the other night, like 17 points and nine rebounds, and he's just been kind of a beast for watch. So maybe they can help turn around Chris Daps. I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, let's move on to some headlines. Uh, Staking with the basketball topic here. Celtics have won nine games in a row. Uh, they've climbed the Eastern Conference standings. I believe they sit in sixth place today uh, after a, back a first. gigantic win over Philly last night. It's, it's crazy what happens when Brown and Tatum are both playing well. Uh, you know, Brown had a huge night last night. Tatum's played well. And I think the addition of Derek White has been gigantic for this team. I really, really like him. I actually watched Celtics last night for the first time in a while, willingly. Um, it was enjoyable to watch. They, they were playing really well. They're moving the ball. That's like the number one thing that stood out to me is they're just moving the ball so much better. They're t- getting better looks. And they're playing amazing defense. I saw a couple things. Rob Will is currently the top rated like defensive player in the NBA in terms of like advanced metrics and Grant Williams is like the ninth best. And then I also saw a stat that Marcus smart in this last, like 480 possessions that only allowed 70 points, which is fucking crazy. Um, so really like I'd say a pretty underrated defensive team, Boston Celtics third best team in the league right now on the defense side of the ball. Um, and they're just – they're playing really well. They're beating good teams. I'm, let me look at who they've beaten during this nine-game win streak. Uh, the Nuggets, the Nets, handedly. Um, Hornets, another playoff team. Hawks have gotten hot lately. They're, I believe, in the hunt. Uh, 76ers, they beat the Heat by 30. Um, destroyed the Kings by 53. Beat the Wizards pretty easily. The Bulls. Um, so they, they've been winning a lot of – games against good teams and by pretty big margins 
Yeah, they're they're really surprising right now. And uh, obviously, when I said it before the year, I, I Celtics were my surprise team. I had them fourth in the East, and I did not think that we would really ever get to a point this year about a month ago when that maybe could be a reality. Um, but again, three and a half back of first place in the Eastern Conference, and I probably only take the Heat and Bulls at full health over the Celtics right now. Um, again, like like you noted, Colin, really everything's kind of coming together. And uh, I don't know, just they're, they'll ride this wave and hopefully it keeps going. Um, I honestly didn't know that the Celtics were doing so well until last night. Uh, my friends actually had a bet on the Sixers money line. Uh, and then they started to blow out the Sixers last night. And they're like, well, that's what you get for betting on a team or against a team that's on an eight game win streak. So um, I didn't know the Celtics were doing that well. Um, I'm, I'm still not going to buy in just yet. I still have my, um, my doubts, I guess, that the, the whole core can work together um, through the playoffs, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's good, I guess. I still, <laughs> I, st- I still question why we traded Schroeder for Tice because, you know, Schroeder averaging 15 points a game. Like we've all been talking, you know, we need a third scorer outside of Tatum and Brown. So we trade our way, our third scorer for Tice, who just scored five points last night. Like it's, it still baffles me that we did that, but if it's working, I mean, we're getting Williams into the starting lineup. That's, that's cool. So I I don't know, whatever works, I guess. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out, whether they can uh, keep this up. Uh, Last basketball headline is Evans. I'm going to discuss Kyrie Irving a bit. Yep. Uh, So there's an article on ESPN. Um, NBA commissioner Adam Silver, uh, New York City COVID-19 vaccination rule keeping Kyrie Irving from playing at home, quote, doesn't quite make sense. Uh, This is from Andrew Lopez. Uh, NBA commissioner Adam Silver said the New York City vaccination mandate that is preventing Nets guard Kyrie Irving from playing in home games doesn't quite make sense to me, he said, speaking during uh, an appearance on Get Up. Uh, As a player unvaccinated against COVID-19, Irving may not play at the Barclays Center because of the mandate. However, a player from a different market who is unvaccinated may play in New York City. Um, really doesn't make any sense. Silver said that uh, the league wanted to make vaccinations a requirement for players, but that the NBA uh, Players Association pushed back. Uh, obviously, 97 to 98% of, percent of the players are vaccinated and most are boosted. Um, so it's just, it's an interesting thing because I didn't really know that uh, unvaccinated players from other teams can still play at the Barclays center when he is unvaccinated. Um, so there's one aspect to say, all right, that is not, you know, that makes no sense. There's also the other uh, aspect of, all right, this is a team game. Like just take the fucking shot just so you can play every game. Um, so what do you, I I was wondering where you guys kind of, uh, kind of lie on that spectrum and, and what you think about this uh, sort of Colin? I mean, I think like what you said, it's a team game. Everyone's doing it. Fucking don't be the asshole that doesn't is kind of how I see it. But I think that rule really doesn't make much sense. Like why, why can X, Y, and Z come from, you know, Texas or fucking California or wherever without a vaccination and play in an NBA game in New York, but Kyrie Irving can't just because he plays for the Nets. It doesn't make much sense to me at all. Um, 
like Kyrie to me, I guess, is like entitled to his choice when it comes to the vaccine, but the rule itself is, I think, very stupid. Um, just like, like Colin was saying, it, it just doesn't make much sense. Like somebody from the outside could come in if they're unvaxxed, but if you're in house, you, you can't like that, that doesn't add up. And it's not really what the science science suggests if that's what you're trying to go after. Um, it just doesn't add up. So as much as I believe um, Kyrie has his own personal choices when it comes to the vaccine, um, I think the rule is more stupid. Yeah, that is dumb. I didn't know that. Um, that makes no fucking sense. Like, if if they're going to lay it down on Kyrie, they should lay it down on every other player that comes in there. That being said, it, I mean, it has to be – like, Kyrie not getting vaxxed has to be part of why Harden left. Like, there's no reason the way it can't be that um, part of it. And also, Kyrie thinks the earth is flat. So, that, that guy clearly has something wrong in the head. Um, but – I mean, yeah, that, that rule is dumb. I, I didn't realize that was the case. I, it's just so strange to me that they would not like have a full implementation across the league. Well, it's weird because everyone talks about Kyrie Irving not playing, but nobody mentions that rule. I, it's just, it's really weird to me. Like, why not mention that that's the rule when I, cause I had no idea either, Connor. Uh, so I, I don't know. I just think it's something that's just, you know, it's puzzling. Uh, Dan, you want to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl? Senior bowl. Oh. Senior bowl. Thank you. <laughs> Dumb motherfucker. <laughs> Dumb motherfucker. Can't, can't read. fucking read. Can't read. Ugh. I was like, man, we just spent the whole pod, or at least some of the pod, talking about the Super Bowl. I don't, I don't know if I need to do it again. But the senior bowl, because I am a wannabe scout uh, for the NFL, um, I, it was a very interesting week, I think, for the senior bowl because the weather was pretty bad. And it's really all the senior bowl is, is trying to evaluate linemen one-on-one and also quarterbacks and receivers. But when it's raining, you don't really get that good of a look. Um, I think obvious um, some winners from this past week of the senior bowl have to be like the, the whole defensive line, just whether it's interior defensive linemen or edge rushers. Um, I think everybody boosted their stock just by being there. Um, everyone there was very talented. Uh, specifically, I was really impressed by Travis Jones. Um, he's an interior defender from UConn. Um, just very powerful and in all his one-on-ones just was pushing guys back into the quarterback. So that's one guy I think that's going to go in the second round of the draft. Um, and it may surprise some people being from UConn, but Uh, He had a very good week. And then some people that kind of didn't do that well, I think you could basically list all the quarterbacks. I don't think anyone was that impressive. The whole thing about Kenny Pickett in his hands, um, it just makes a quarterback class that much more of a a question mark. Um, Is there a first-round pick? There's some teams that view some quarterbacks very highly. There's other teams that wouldn't even take them in the first two rounds. Um, What's your opinion? I – oh, God. It's very interesting, and I think I got to do more film watching, but I still got Pickett as my one just because I think he's still smart and still make some like he has that ability to be a playmaker. Um, he doesn't have the strongest arm, obviously, but he'd still be my quarterback one. I, I'm still in love with Malik Willis for the potential reasons, but he has to sit for a year or two, um, kind of like a Jordan Love, a Trey Lance. Um, that's the only way he's ever going to be successful because he's just not ready right now, but the tools are just they're all there. It's exactly what you want in a quarterback process or prospect besides his processing, his decision-making. That's the only thing he's missing, which is pretty important, but 
all the other tools are A plus. So, so uh, if you were a team in need of a quarterback, would you take both in round one? I would take yes, later half. I'm not taking them early. I'm taking them later half of the first. If I have a second first round pick, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess you'll maybe have to see with some of my teams in that sim what what my process is. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that I will not be taking a quarterback in the first round. Although I don't really have any quarterback needy teams anymore. True. But that's all I got in the senior bowl, really. Yeah, I don't, I don't really. I don't have much else to say. I think the one thing I will say is the whole hand thing, I think it's just bogus. Like, who really gives a fuck? If you can hold the football and throw it, like, it doesn't really fucking matter, does it? Well, there is the stat that uh, I think it's quarterbacks with eight-inch hands. Like, none of them have success in the NFL. Um, and Pickett has eight-inch hands. Um, so, that is the concern, I guess. I, I don't look too much into it. I'd yeah. never make it to the league. I have <laughs> tiny hands, so yeah. I don't know what hands I have. I might look. Wait, uh, what is it? Is it thumb to pinky or what? It's, not, it's thumb to pinky, and so this is the problem. Kenny Pickett is double jointed, so his thumb sticks like that. Oh, poor guy. So, so really, he probably has like eleven inch hands because his no, he still has up. small hands, but he has to do exercises to try and work that thumb back so he can get an accurate thumb reading. But it's like it points like this because it's double jointed, so you can't get a real reading on it. Because gotcha. teams are going to just overlook and just look at the number, and they're like, oh, that's a small hand. Yeah. I don't have anything else to say. Newman's last headline is the MLB negotiations, if we want to go to that. Sure. Um, nothing positive, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, so last week, Delmas, Rob Manfred, he met with the media. He was so optimistic. They had this big deal in place that was going to come last Saturday. Said it was a good faith proposal. He was very excited about it. Um, and it sucks. It was a shitty proposal. Like they they caved on a couple things. You know, Universal DH is coming. They got rid of draft pick compensation. So they they did budge a little bit, but the money, they're still like 80 million off in the money. I think it's like MLB wants 15 mil and the players want 105. So 90 mil. So I think money is really the big issue right now. But the problem is he said on last Thursday that as soon as the deal is done, he thinks spring training could get started in 10 days and we shouldn't have any issues pushing back spring training. Well, the problem is today is 10 days prior to when spring training will start. So if no deal is done today, which they're not even fucking meeting today, we're going to have a delay. Uh, pitchers and catchers were supposed to go yesterday. So yeah, the league is going to be delayed. It's no fun. Um, MLB needs to start budging, otherwise baseball's fucked. It's just unfortunate. I, I really think they should bring someone in from the outside to be a mediator. I know that nobody really wants that, or at least that's what I've seen. But, I mean, even fucking Marty Walsh, the labor secretary, is, like, taking an interest in getting something done because it's just it's not good for business anywhere for this league to not be happening. It's not good. I'm just so pissed. I mean, it's ridiculous. I have nothing else to say. Just nothing. I mean, you've had four months. Like, you'd think some sort of movement, some sort of headway. Just It's yeah. disappointing. It's disappointing. 
it's just crazy. Like after all these meetings, it seems like you just, you see the reports, like they're still so far off. Like a deal is not like imminent. Like a lot of these numbers are very, very far apart. Um, and I, I don't know when they'll ever actually come to a conclusion just with how far apart some of these numbers are and how ridiculous some of these offers by the MLB is on the economic side of it. Um, it's just ridiculous. And I, we even said it before the lockout was a thing that Manfred was a horrible commissioner. Um, and this just makes him look even worse. Um, I know he's kind of in bed with the owners, but I mean, this Manfred is a real problem for the future of baseball, not even just right now in this lockout, like the future of baseball, he's literally like kind of ruining it. Yeah. I mean, just how, how do you grow the game when this is all you see in the news? Right. No, no kid wants to fucking, this is reading MLB, MLB players association, far apart in deals, spring training delayed. That doesn't make little kids want to watch baseball or play baseball. You want to see spring training starts today. Baseball's on TV. Like it's just not good. It's not good for baseball. That's all I got. Uh, Newman, you have the rant today and then we're done. So you let me know when you're ready and we'll uh, start the timer. Cool. Quick pod today. Um, all right. So my rant uh, is about the bean pot. For those of you who are like, what the fuck is the bean pot? Uh, it's a <laughs> hockey tournament between Northeastern, BU, BC, and Harvard. We've won it three years in a row. However, we lost on Monday to BU in the final, one nothing, because our coach is a fucking idiot. Um, first, shout out to our defense. They're like the best in the country. They block shots at will. Shout out to TJ Semptonfelter, his fifth collegiate game ever, little freshman, one MVP of the tournament, incredible goalie. I love you. Um, but the offense, holy shit, we have four shots in the first period. We love to do this little, like, the dump and chase behind the net. Uh, no shots, whatever. Just like to dump it and pass it around in a circle, big cycle. And I'm like, okay, we have four shots in the first doing that bullshit. Maybe we'll go into the locker and make some adjustments. No. We come out in the second period. We register five more shots. The shots are now 24 to nine after two periods of us just dumping it around the net over and over again. I, I like, we're not, we aren't going to win the game. Like I knew that right from there. Third period, I think the shots were like 30 to 11. They finally score. BU scores on a two on one. Um, our defender slid way too early, a la NHL club, uh, straight <laughs> out of a fucking movie. Um, but they scored with two minutes left and then we pulled a goalie and just start throwing everything on the net. And we ended up with like 20 shots, like, and a lot of good chances. So it's like Jerry Keith, who's the coach is just so stupid. Like, I know you have good players and you want to go behind the net and try the fucking Michigan, but like, <laughs> let's register, like throw pucks on net. That's what like the basic shit when shit's not working. That's what we do in club when we can't score, just throw everything on the fucking net. Something will go in. It's like, I mean, I can't speak to like the defense and the goaltending in the absence of Devin Levi were so good. And I feel so bad that they, they couldn't win a fourth one because the offense was just terrible. And uh, yeah. Good rant right on time. Two minutes. Um, Yeah. I love the bean pods. A great tournament. Um, But yeah, I agree with you, Newman pucks on net should always be a priority. It's good things happen when the puck goes to the net. Um, Personal story, I've been playing intramural hockey. Um, no voice crack in hockey. Um, last night, we played a frat and uh, close games, 2-2 in the third. Scramble in front of the net, puck goes to the net. 
one of our guys gets knocked over, shoulders the puck in, we win 3-2, two, two minutes to go, game winner, just pucks to the net, create chaos, and, and hope you are the one to throw it in there. Like, good was thing, it you? <laughs> it was not me. It was not me. Um, good things happen when you get the puck to the net. You, you start making the defenseman run around. The goalie's a little bit out of position, and it's just good hockey getting the puck to the net. That's all I got. Anybody else? Or are we done? We're done, Zach. Sweet. Pod. Quick pods today. Um, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. Later. Peace. Put your tears away. Ain't no fear today. You can drive off towards that summertime sunset. Sweat you ain't done yet. Take the keys, leave the regrets. Write your letters, place your bets. I'll be the one who accepts. Look at the